beast of a truck. Welcome to the Americas, where trucks are three times the size of Britain. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Williams. Today's episode is brought to you with support from Speechling. They're a new sponsor, so just wanted to take a second and tell you a bit more about them. Speechling is a website and app that makes it easy for you to practice and improve your speaking skills without having to book tutoring sessions, without having to find somebody to speak to, and without that awkward feeling of asking someone, can I try my German on you or my French? With their system, you can build your speaking skills in six different languages before you dive into the first conversation. Using Speechling, What you do is you select what you want to talk about, you hear it spoken by a real person, you repeat it back or you expand on the conversation prompt and then you get feedback from a certified coach and this works 24-7. To support the Creative Language Learning Podcast, go to speechling.com, that's S-P-E-E-C-H-L-I-N-G.com, where you can get feedback on your pronunciation immediately It's forever free for up to 35 feedback notes every month. And if you want to get serious and have a few more, try Speechlinks on a limited plan, which gives you unlimited languages and unlimited feedback sessions at 10% off for life when you use the code FLUENT. So that's speechling.com. Try it for free and use the code FLUENT to get 10% off unlimited access. Hello, welcome. Hello, Lindsay Williams from... No longer in Costa Rica, is that right? Oh, I'm in Costa Rica for the last day. Tomorrow we're going to Panama. Oh, that sounds so fun. And how is it? It's nice. It's been really special. It's been very, uh, really, really just a lovely experience to come back here and to see a, a couple of new places, but mostly the same places. That was what I wanted to see. So yeah, it's been really, really nice. Mm, so you had like a trip down memory lane. Yeah, yeah. Really strange one really surreal has it changed much yes and no like it was I said to um Ashley and to the family when I went back to La Fortuna which was the town near where I was staying and it was like there's memories of like okay I remember this restaurant and I remember this park and I remember where the bus station was you know and all of these little parts of a memory and then when I went back and I'm then walking down the street and connecting these dots It was, it felt, and it sounds really like weird, but it felt like I was walking in my memories. Like I was walking through my memory. Does oh, that make sense? Yeah. Really, really weird. Um, but just lovely all the same. Oh, that sounds so cool. And yeah. since, well, since we last spoke, not only have you been like down actual memory lane, it sounds, <laughs> but we've also had the new year, you know, had sort of New Year's Eve and all that kind of stuff and I thought well I thought we should ring in the new year and and say like is there a new year new you kind of thing going on no 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 because it's because it's the same it's weird like for starters I hate new year's eve right it's always an anticlimax. 12 is really early to like prepare for like a huge evening and then be like well it's 12 okay what what now I'd quite like to go to bed. Okay. Yeah, me too. Okay. And then everyone goes to bed. Like, am I that old? <laughs> But like, so New Year's Eve was, was, it was never going to be fun. Um, and it wasn't, it was very cold and we fell asleep at about 10 o'clock. Um, but then in terms of languages, I feel almost like this is the same year 
that started last August when we left until we go home in July. So I feel like I've got two big parts to this year and Mm -hmm. it's not really new year, new me (laughs) or anything big like that until we go home in July. And then maybe I'll see what happens because I won't be learning Guarani then probably. I won't be needing to, I imagine, because we will have already been to Paraguay. Yeah. So, and I won't need to be learning any of the Asian languages. I'm currently kind of just dipping my toes into, ready for going to that side of the world. So, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to hold. So, July and August is my new year. That's interesting. Well, we'll have to check back in like July and August and see, (laughs) you know, see what your new goals are and see where you're, you know, where you're heading next. I'm, I must say, I'm kind of feeling, I'm kind of feeling a similar vibe of sort of New Year, same Kirsten, <laughs> you know, Ooh. same thing. Although there is a, I don't know, like I was recently, I was looking through my bookshelf and I got a wonderful book for Christmas from my Reddit Secret Santa. I do Reddit Secret Santa every year. And mm. this year, I think I struck gold. She was so, so lovely. I, I think it's a she. I don't even know. She or he sent me all these Polish sweets. Really awesome. They were clearly from Poland. And a lovely, lovely card. And socks with cats on them. Ah, oh. So good. But I also got a book called Polish Doesn't Bite. That's cool. So now on my shelf, I have Russian Step by Step, Polish Doesn't Bite, uh, Teach Yourself Vietnamese, and um, Assimil Luxembourgeois. So I've got four courses and I keep looking at them kind of sort of half curiously, half longingly, um, feeling like, oh, you guys, you guys are waiting for me and I'm going to have such fun. But at the same time, I'm learning Welsh and I want to make progress in Welsh and I don't really have time to learn Mm. three languages at once. Well, you know what you could do? Tell me. Well, you could use one of these four languages almost as a procrastination or a distraction from Welsh. So when you've got those inevitable days, when you're like kicking your toes, like, oh, Welsh, I don't want to do Welsh today, right? <laughs> Which happens. Then you've got something that you can be doing instead that's like this kind of, ooh, like glitzy, attractive distraction that's yeah. not just something completely unrelated. So you're still satisfying that languageness inside. That would mean almost swapping out... French, which at the moment is sort of my, ah. you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm so you've fluent. Got one already. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I've, I've got a a non-Welsh that I study mm. slash interact with, which is French, because, but then my French is my French is always sort of at the, you know, it's not going to drop it below B two, I don't think, because I've been doing French for since I was thirteen. So over twenty years in my life I've been learning French and I've got yeah. this, you know, I've I've done it to a high enough level where I feel confident. So maybe it's a case of giving myself permission to actually drop the French for a little bit and play around. Or I mean that's yeah. kind of why I bought the Luxembourgish book, because it teaches free French. Yes, that would be the perfect solution. Mm-hmm. And also because of, you know, where you're from, Luxembourgish won't be a crazy new challenge like you don't want something maybe if you've never done polish vietnamese or russian i mean you've done russian before right i've done russian before if with the other two they're totally new Mm -hmm. they're notoriously languages in the a little bit more difficult bracket yeah maybe luxembourgish could could fill that really nicely as just a sort of easy pleasant ride into something new it does make me really happy when i learn luxembourgish and it also does don't know there's an emotional connection that i've never had with another language because it's it's mm. how my grandma spoke, you know, and and there's a real, you know, it's interesting. 
And then, but then I'm learning two quirky ones, Lindsay. Well, who cares? Ultimately, yeah. <laughs> then I'm learning two yes, like, hello, my name is Kirsten. I'm learning Welsh and Luxembourgish. I'm really <laughs> unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Which means you have to have your why ready to go because that will be the next question. Why? Oh man, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's another thing that I'm where I'm wondering why. So I'm kind of shifting into news. There was a really interesting news item that we discovered, I think in October last year. We haven't talked mm. about it yet. And I still haven't quite gotten the why, but I sort of looked at a little bit more background. And that is the news that the country of Kazakhstan is going to change its current Cyrillic-based alphabet to the Latin alphabet, and they want to get all of this done by 2025. That's very interesting. 2025, I like this because this is actually ambitious and achievable goal, 2025. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not like, we're going to do it by tomorrow. It's, it's actually, you know, it's pretty reasonable, that. Yeah, it was a smart goal then, isn't it? Specific, measurable, <laughs> achievable. <laughs> they they went to some like project planning course, and that's where they taught them how to do that. Um, but it it says like in the in the announcement article, it was in the Astana Times, which I presume is sort of very um, Kazakh government sanctioned publication. It says it's books, official documentation, and periodicals. So I guess mm. newspapers and um, magazines. Related mm. to the political and cultural agenda are all subject to mandatory transformation. I think that has to happen earlier. Like they're going to kick that off really right. soon. Right. So essentially, what is a periodical related to the cultural agenda, I wonder? Um, I guess that's a newspaper that talks about politics, right? Well, that would be the political agenda. Cultural agenda and a, a magazine. Yeah, like maybe a magazine about sports or something like that. Yeah, sort of like music. the great Kazakh ice hockey team. Mm. Interesting. This is really interesting stuff. And Kazakhstan is a country I used to I used to visit a lot. And I remember the like all the road signs are in like Russian Cyrillic and then in Kazakh Cyrillic. Oh, that okay. Because this was going to be my next point, right? Because presumably, well, it, even if they have different Cyrillics, it's still going to give you access to Russian. That would be your obvious choice of second language and therefore your choice of like major trade language etc so almost what they're doing by switching the language whether intentionally or not i don't know it's opening them up to other countries that use latin alphabets you know mm -hmm. so the uk the us australia europe you know put up for, for a lot of cases yeah it's, 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 it's weird like with Kazakhstan, there's been a lot made um, politically, like they moved their capital in the middle of, I think the middle of the 2000s, like to the noughties. Right. Um, they moved their capital from Almaty, which is nearer to China, mm. geographically, to Astana, which is nearer to Russia. So mm. what everybody said was then, ah, look, they want to be closer to Russia, like big Russian brother, yeah. da, da, da. But their script has actually changed a lot over the last years, last, well, years, not centuries, ages, because this is what it says here. Kazakhs used Arabic script from the 10th to 20th centuries, which mm. it's a Turkic language. Sense. So Kazakh, the actual yeah. language, is related to Turkish. Um, the Kazakh language was based on Latin script before in 29 to 1929 to 1940, the transition mm. to the Cyrillic alphabet occurred in 1940. So I guess that was more of a Soviet-USSR 
influence. Mm. And then it says, the Latin alphabet is currently used by most Kazakh diasporas, diasporas abroad. So Kazakh expats who live in other countries. So okay. this is not yeah. like they've switched around before. And they're a nomadic, you know, in, intrinsically, they're, they're a nomadic people. This kind of now makes a lot of sense knowing that. If they, they used Latin script previously, people abroad tend to use it, I'm assuming, to write in Kazakh. So the, the Cyrillic was, I'm guessing, imposed upon them, wasn't it, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's like in mm. in a in a if you're thinking as a in a in a forever kind of sense or like if we're if we're looking at the last what ten centuries, it's almost mm. like the Cyrillic will just be like this fad, this sort of mood. Yeah. And then if they switch into Latin, it almost makes me wonder why why not switch to an Arabic script? And that must be because of they want to communicate who they want to Where align want themselves to with yeah. culturally yeah. and politically. Has to be. That's very interesting. Isn't it? And it reminds me of Turkey. You know, it, in Turkey, famously, they had this um, president, prime minister, don't know, state, head of state, <laughs> called Atatürk, who in the 1920s um, wanted to ter open Turkey up to the West and sort of modernize Turkey. And before him, so here's the, the Omniglot quote, because I thought Simon put this very well. Until 1928, Turkish was written with a version of the Perso-Arabic script, known as Ottoman Turkish. So it was mm. sort of Arabic, but not really. Um, right. And then in 1928, as part of his efforts to modernize, so when you go more Western, that's modernizing apparently, uh. Atatürk issued a decree replacing the Arabic script with a version of the Latin alphabet. I wonder if he had mm. um, achievable, ambitious goals. <laughs> Or just went, this is it now. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah. But so Turkish yeah. has written with the Arabic script, but they both sort of have their own little diacritics and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. So this has happened before, but just not very often. Mm. And both like in the same language in family. Times, at least. You'd almost feel like, well, Kazakh, Kazakh Turkish, I don't know, Uzbek, uh, Kyrgyz, all the languages in that area, like guys, just get your own script and kind of share it. Um, <sighs> but I don't know. That must be what they had at some point in the past. Hmm. Mm. Curiouser and curiouser. Indeed, indeed. It's very interesting. And I was trying to think of other languages that have got, um, that have ever switched scripts. Can you think of any? You did script challenge a few years ago and I don't know. Um, I mean, there are some that kind of, sort of fade out I guess when but that's mostly as the languages themselves begin to fade out in a lot of cases I think oh really but there are times when a language becomes not used anymore and then you've got like um for example I don't know like a, 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 a Egyptian hieroglyphics or Mayan glyphs yeah right? they're not used anymore but people still speak the language and then it's now written in Latin script well, yeah not in Egyptian hieroglyphics but Mayan from a Mayan point of view so there are times when it changes, but not necessarily with a big government change of like, right, we're going to switch things up. This is how it's done from now on. So I think it sometimes does happen quite naturally. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. The only other one I could think of as well. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned hieroglyphics because yeah. they look to me like they would be quite a, quite a faff to write. Yeah. So you know, this is, whereas the Arabic yeah. or Latin script, you just... 
you have a pen and you just do your you thing. You in. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if it's with the spread of pen and paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that perhaps it, it, people looked for scripts that are a bit easier and quicker to do. Mm. Could well be. It could well be. And then there is the case of Chinese, which right. has got like, it's got like three kind of scripts, doesn't it? And one of which is pinyin, which is a romanization. And I had mm. a little sort of poke around Wikipedia and that said pinyin is um, a development from the 1950s. That's when they first started yeah. this. So it's relatively yeah. modern again. Yeah, but opinion, what's interesting about that, and it's the same with Romaji in Japanese, and there's a Korean name for the equivalent as well that I can't remember, um, and probably others. But basically, it's, it's the idea is for education and to increase, mm -hmm. I, primarily to increase, um, you know, Chinese understanding and, and speed of learning Chinese, but then also it's a huge aid for people learning those languages as well. So it's not a replacement in the same way. It's almost an addition to subtly introduce the Latin alphabet in, as, as one side effect of that, which is, which is quite cool. Yeah, so it's almost like a, a cultural, not a power move as such, but it's a, I don't know, it's, it reminds me of Bible translations and things like that. When you, mm. you know, you adapt to the language of your target country, but it's because you are seeking to influence and connect and, and spread your own message. Yeah. And you know, when I've been looking for um, podcasts are the one thing, like I, it's really hard to find audio in Guarani and a couple of other languages I've looked for in the past. The only thing you can find that's out there for sort of listenable audio is Bible translations. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. You've been listening to the Bible in Guarani? No, I, I, I no, but, <laughs> um, but that's a lot of the time. That's all that exists. Fantastic. Interesting. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so I wonder if well, maybe and maybe maybe that's the secret agenda behind the Kazakh alphabet's change, and then in the future we're all gonna look at Kazakhstan <laughs> and be like, okay, How did you do this, you know, like yeah. like I'm glad they've opened up Kazakh because now I can learn it because it's in the Latin script. So mm. who knows? Who knows? Okay, well let's let's get more specific, I guess, with our speculations about the future. Oh, and think about the main topic of our show today, which is the future of language learning. And that was this is really something that in that I've I've been watching, you know, a few changes here and there, but I never really paid much attention and really sat down to think about well, how is language learning going to look in the future? I think there's a few different aspects of it that are really interesting to discuss. And I wonder what you make of them. Yeah, there's a few things here that really surprised me as well. Mm, mm. So the yeah. first one, that was kind of stuff that mostly you found, which is the, the gadget side. Do you want to talk me through some gadgets? Okay. So I think with gadgets, uh, gadget's quite an open word, isn't it? In my house, it used to mean TV remote control. But the thing with, <laughs> the thing with gadgets and, and that, we, that we're looking for with tech, it's like, oh, we're dreaming of that ultimate translator right mm. something it's like the star trek means, dream yeah like we don't need to learn a language anymore because this gadget this thing is going to do all the work for us okay we've got things like google translate now these things exist where we can say something and it will say it in the other language we've got things where you know google translate again you can type something you can take a picture even you've got memoirs 
and the Flash Sticks app where you can hold your phone up to a thing and it will tell you what that thing is in a different language in sort of a um, augmented reality kind of way. Does Memrise do that? Yeah. Oh, Oh, you can, yeah. you can tell I'm learning Welsh because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not down with the, I'm not down with the cool developments. Yeah, it's only for, um, I think, sort of, you know, quote unquote, the main languages. But if you go on your Memrise app, if you look at the bottom, it says explore in the middle and it turns into a camera and it, you just hold it around your world. And it, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It says, well, the thing is, my Memrise is switched into Welsh, so it said it in Welsh. <laughs> which means uh, yeah. I never understood what it actually meant oh yes this is very similar to what the Flash 6 app does this is super mm. cool uh, <laughs> well that's that's just the beginning <laughs> it, it does think that my pen is a toothbrush oh have you just tried it? yes oh okay so yeah that right so this this highlights one of our problems we'll come back <laughs> to this in a minute um, but there were two things in particular I found that made me think what? Mm-hmm. first one is the Google Pixel Buds, right? So these are headphones, essentially. Google's answer to the Apple AirPods or whatever they're called, the ones without a wire. Mm-hmm. Um, and these ones do have a little wire. It hangs around your neck. So you look like that sort of quirky art teacher wearing glasses on a string, you know? It's got a little neck thing around your neck. Yeah. But what they do is you can tap one of your earbuds and it does all the Google stuff. You can say, hey, Google, turn my heating on or whatever you want to do. Okay. Then you can also ask it to translate stuff for you so you have google translate in your ear so is this basically like the alexa thing imajig i don't know what what's what do you mean well alexa is that that amazon box that you put mm. into your house and it um as you can tell in this podcast i'm going to be playing the role of person who doesn't understand tech um but you know it's like a box that you put in your house and then you can say alexa and that voice activates the listening thingy um and when you do that it understands commands like alexa when you're cooking you can say alexa what's 250 centigrade in fahrenheit yeah you could you could ask it those same questions it Mm. would be like the google assistant i think it's called right ah yeah yeah okay it'd be like those similar questions that you could ask it Mm -hmm. but then also with google translate on top what you could do with alexa though you could turn alexa into other languages so that she can she'll understand you in different languages right you can do it with siri on your phone um where you can set the language to whatever you want and then you can speak to it in that language as well so you can do that but these pixel buds it's google translate in your ear and someone said to me the other day well we don't need to learn languages anymore we've got google pixel buds i was like yeah yeah because problems, again, we'll discuss in a minute. Indeed. There's one more thing. There's one more thing that I wanted to share that I found and mind blown. Yeah. In in Japan is is probably the least surprising start to this sentence <laughs> of language learning. In Japan, they've got this megaphone now. Panasonic have created this megaphone in part for the uh, Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Right. And this megaphone translates what you say and projects it out into different languages so for example in an olympic context you've got someone holding the megaphone speaks japanese they're saying in japanese please stand in a single file or whatever you know please have your tickets ready that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and the megaphone rather than just amplifying what they're saying in japanese will translate that automatically and project the english the chinese and the korean out loud 
And interesting, 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 very interesting, which again makes me wonder something specific. Um, I mean, first of all, that is kind of miraculous when we, in a way, when you think about it. Um, mm. So, so this whole idea is really this: like these gadgets are, they are, they are essentially they've got the same flaws as Google Translate, perhaps. But if you say, "Please form a single line in English," um, I wonder to what extent it needs to know a lot. Right. And I wonder to what extent it's there is a room for error, like a margin for error. You get the flexibility of being able to say in your megaphone whatever you want. So you can say, okay, and now Mo Farah is coming on. Or like, you know, then you don't need to. Yeah. If you had a pre recorded message and then Mo Farah falls over, breaks his, breaks his ankle, um, then you wouldn't be able to. You'd have to swap out the whole audio message, whereas otherwise your person can just go there and then go, "My forest fallen over," and that's gonna auto translate. But at the same time, there's a there's sort of this room for error, yeah, in, in in any interpretation, and that brings us to the main issue that that all of these devices still have, right? Mm. And it makes me think as well, like if a megaphone is not projecting someone's real voice and their real kind of tone and everything with what comes with that yeah yeah am i going to be as responsive to a robotic voice telling me what to do interesting do you know what i mean oh do you have you watched robocop it's like ed 209 isn't it no i haven't seen robocop oh my god it's it's i was really terrified when i first watched it um there's a yeah. robot that is like this little robot that goes Hello, you are you a criminal? Please show me your ID. Please show me your ID. And then obviously it malfunctions and shoots people to death because it's robot. Right. You know, it's like a sort of overblown satirical thing. But this is like the eighties version of the eighties vision of the future. <laughs> <laughs> but it does remind me of that. You have a you have a very good point there. And mm. overall, like imagine if you're walking around with your Google Pixel buds and you're, you know, you you're in. Like you're in Costa Rica and you're connecting with people and somebody is, is being wonderful to you, taking you into their home perhaps, giving you some food or explaining something to you. They're smiling. And all the while you've got this sort of like, thank you very much robot voice in your head. Yeah. There's so much nuance missed. And the closest image I came to when I was thinking about, the closest image I that, that I thought of to, to do with it is the sense of dubbing, like the idea of dubbing, like people don't usually like in, in the UK to watch um, foreign shows, especially because they've been dubbed. And I never really understood what the problem was. And then recently there was a World in Words episode where they talked about how dubbing in Germany is, is different to anywhere else in the world. Like we have this whole industry and we have voice actors mm. and we do get the emotion. We actually, Our dubbing people actually act. Mm. Um, and I always thought that's what everybody had. So for why they also like fussy with dubbing, but since then I've learned a lot about like how dubbing isn't really doesn't make the world engaging, doesn't make the world attractive, and it almost makes me feel like imagine if you had to watch a film and it was dubbed by like Siri. Yeah, it's just oh, and there's and there's a pause as well because another thing they had on the Panasonic, there's a video we'll put in the show notes. Mm -hmm. There was another thing where it was like um, almost like a tablet panel in a desk at a spa or a hotel, whatever. And the receptionist is typing in the things to say, you know, would you like a double room or whatever? Or this shrine is 3000 years old, that kind of thing. 
and then it translates. But then you're having a conversation with someone who is in front of you, but neither of you are looking at each other because you're both looking down at this screen and waiting for it to translate. So it slows down human interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it, and it makes it so much less connected. And in a world where now more than ever, with, you know, they talk about um, kind of the new generation now coming through and they say, oh, they socialize less. They're social, they still socialize, but in a different way. So teenagers and young people today, they may come home from school and be on their own in their room, but they're connecting with their friends via the internet, essentially, social media, whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's still that human connection. But if you've got something like this in a rare, <laughs> nowadays, you know, rarer occurrence when you're actually with someone face-to-face, do you then want that face-to-face interaction to be interfered by having to rely on the technology and looking at the technology and not looking at each other? Mm. I don't Lindsay, like it. I thought I was going to be the skeptical granny in this show, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel I, I feel like like you you share a lot of my skepticisms when I it really comes do. to these gadgets. Um, I, it's just not why I learn languages. Like I don't I don't learn languages for the transactional benefit of being able to communicate with somebody. Of course, that's that's great, but you know I don't need to learn something for that. I can just come and read out a phrase book or point and stuff. So it might make transactional situations a little bit more smooth. Yeah. It may in some cases even help us, but it's it doesn't start, feel very satisfying. No. And I mean there's definitely a use for it and I'm I'm definitely not knocking all of like the future tech of language learning, right? Mhm. Mm-hmm. But I I think that when people who don't know languages or don't, you know, have, have maybe wanted to, but never, never kind of taken the plunge, so to speak, and, and gone, gone into to trying to learn a language. When they see things like this come out, when people see things like this and feel like, oh, well, there's no point doing that anymore. That would be a waste of my time to learn a language because there's some earbuds that will do the work for me. But it's taking away that element, that human interaction. And, you know, something happened the other day in um we were in La Fortuna we went on this it was an Airbnb experience which was I'd never done before which was very exciting and I was talking to the woman who was hosting we went to see a sloth Kirsten it was amazing I think I sent you a picture didn't I you didn't yeah I didn't (gasps) okay sloth pictures please I will send you a sloth picture put it in the show notes Yeah. So this sloth, you know, it comes down to their garden every evening and eats. And so you get to be really close to it, which you wouldn't anywhere else. And, um, and so I was talking to her, you know, and she's saying, oh, I'm messaging someone now on Airbnb and she used Google Translate. And it's, and the the person had asked, um, will you let me know when the sloth comes down? And she'd replied, yeah, right. The, I'll get you off when the the lazy bear comes in. Thank you. Right. <laughs> I mean, if I got that message <laughs> and she said, is this right? I was like, I'll just uh, fix that up a little bit for you, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that is, it's still not perfect. No, but. no. I think these, these have a long, long way to go. So presuming we still need to learn languages, let's just say the need for learning languages, the universal translator is nowhere near good enough yet where it would bring you the benefits. It makes me feel like um, some something something Christian, my husband, said when we were talking about this. Um, 
he was talking about it sounds a bit like the four hour work week approach you know the, the sort of tim ferris approach yes. to life where you just go well i found these 14 shortcuts um so i don't need to do any of the hard work anymore and i could still get all the results but there's a part of me that just feels like aren't you removing all the things that are worthwhile i don't know maybe i'm a self-flagellating protestant person but aren't you yeah no i mean part of the 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 joy of being able to speak and understand another language should be that you've had that process that then is rewarded and feels like a worthwhile investment of your time you know and i think it's hard, mm -hmm. it can be hard to convince people of that sometimes yeah. your time your intelligence yeah yeah right and when you've got tools like this that come out it can kind of go against that and people think oh well I don't need to, to bother anymore. But hopefully it, what might happen is it could be, it could almost come full circle that these things, you know, have so many little embarrassing translation blunders. Ha ha ha, isn't this funny? There's a good BuzzFeed article out of that. <laughs> and then people begin to think, you know what, actually, maybe I do need to learn a bit of, a bit of Spanish for, so that I can go and see this sloth or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, my you know so it could come full circle. My verdict on the... Um on the gadgets, it's kind of like they're, they're not ready yet to be taken 100% seriously. But mm. here is something that I felt like, oh, this is where it gets interesting. And that is that was all this stuff about enhancing language learning, right? So we're still learning. We're still using our brain. Yeah. And um, like in the past, for, for you, what is an, an image of what language learning was like in the past? In the past, so at school... We'd sit in the classroom, we had a textbook, we had an exercise book, maybe a few years down the line. Well, no, to begin with, we'd have an overhead projector with tons of those sheets, you know. Mm -hmm. And then a few years down the line, we'd got a actual projector that would connect to a computer. So we'd have PowerPoints. Then the internet came along. I remember we had one teacher that joined who uh, was a Spanish teacher. He was big on like online kind of game stuff. What? So... So that was kind of, you know, it, it, things changed and, and advanced as I was learning. But yeah, it began definitely with the sort of typical image, not quite the single desk Victorian style, like, no. you know, there were no, there were no whips or anything like that. No. Did but, you have a tape player? We had a tape player. Even for years beyond getting all that newer stuff, we still had a tape player because a CD was so inconvenient for language learning classroom. So until digital like mp3 kind of audio was invented which was not in my era then we had tape players mm. all the way up until 2007 which is when i stopped studying in sort of formal environment we still yeah. had tape players and my i don't know i don't know like my teacher would never and you wouldn't have wanted to right you wouldn't have wanted to sort of borrow the tape that comes with the textbook that the teacher holds and then like borrow it from the teacher and copy it because those tapes were yeah, boring cool. they were really yeah. dull whereas now we have access to all of this interesting stuff so kind of that's that's where we are and i think there's there's a few really really cool things i think this this brings in what's interesting or what gets me most excited about this whole sort of the future of language learning, learning online and really how we do now, like the present of language learning is to me feels like there is so much more opportunity for access and for access and for choice. Like we have more options than we ever had before. And that is exciting mm. because it motivates people and gets people involved. Okay. But Such as? 
So Hit do, me with some examples. Okay. Well, first of all, Duolingo, of course. I guess that's that's sort of where we are in the present, right? Um, mm -hmm. And Duolingo is, is still ever-evolving and, uh, you know, like these chatbots thingies, which, again, I haven't seen them for a while in Welsh, but I have seen somebody else use one in German. Um, they're kind of really cool. And then there are things like, there are three sort of um, areas, and I've, I'm going to have to, like, try and explain these, right? Um, artificial intelligence which I guess is what Duolingo is to a certain extent. And I thought um, the new Glossico was a good example of that as well. So we'll get to that. Augmented reality, which was like, mm -hmm. whoa, that's, that's where I feel it's the, my phone is magical. Um, and virtual reality. Virtual reality. So perhaps we'll start there. Virtual reality is when you're wearing something like an Oculus Rift. So you're wearing a headset and it makes you feel like you are somewhere else. And then you can, I don't know, pretend you're learning how to drive or play computer games. And it's mostly oh a gaming experience at this stage, right? I got distracted because Oculus Rift sounds like a terrible indie band. <laughs> We are Oculus Rift. You've been a wonderful audience. Good night. <laughs> you, did you, oh. know, you don't do indie music, do you? Yeah, but <laughs> not, not Oculus Rift. Not, not Oculus. No, no, no. Well, it's. It, I know. It to, to me, it sounds like a transformer, but it's not. Apparently, yeah. it's it's like I don't know glasses that play the world to you differently. And then you know, like, but it's as you move your head to the right in the virtual environment that you're in. It, it's as if you are actually stood there and you, you know, like you, you have like peripheral vision and all that stuff, as far as I understand it. So yeah. you found this app called, or this, this company called Mondly. Mm. So they've been, they've been playing on the old virtual reality, right? But I don't yeah. know how innovative they've been because basically they, from what I could see, they just built a classroom. Uh, I think there were different scenarios. I'll send you a few more articles about it. There were a few photos where it's like um, they're in on a train, you know, and it says you can say this or this or they've said this. So you can respond in this way, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so Wow, excited. I don't know. I don't know if I'm so excited about that. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. So here's the picture. There's someone on a train and it says, what is your name? As if. That's what she's saying. And then it says, things you can say. Bond, my name is Bond. Oh, sorry, Bond, James Bond. That's not this catchphrase, is it? <laughs> you could then say, my name is blank and your name. and Or my name is. So you can decide how to reply. Um, but I mean, for me, like, I don't know. It just looks, it looks like you're in The Sims a little bit. Yeah. The, I mean, the, you had this excellent article on Medium that you found where I where I was reading about this, mm. and um, he made reference to it. I think it's called the Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley, yeah. Where yeah. you you can tell this is a, this is this is not a person, you know. Like, so you're not gonna you're not gonna have that in, immersive experience. And the way they wrote about it on their blog is, it is an unforgettable experience that is both fun and accessible, since you can do it from the comfort of your home. But how accessible is that really if you have to spend three hundred pound on an Oculus Rift? machine is that how much it is apparently maybe wow. more i'm not sure <laughs> but i think there, there was there one are, website if, if 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 this 
advances because I think you can get like a paper thing. Is yeah. there like a Google thing that's like made of paper, right? So if this advances, I think the headsets will they become cheaper if they're not cheap already. I think there are cheaper options already. Um, and then as that happens, this app idea of virtual reality for language learning in theory would trickle down until that sort of lower price point as well you would hope right yeah yeah so in theory it would become more accessible but there's still like there's still equipment involved so it's still almost in some cases not as accessible as another person to speak with and i wonder how much i wonder how much well i guess it could do great things for your memory because you do really have an immersive experience that probably comes closest to the experience yeah. of being somewhere. You know, yeah. so it might actually it, it help it might help you build richer memory. I wonder how much you know with apps it becomes so easy to ignore them and notifications mm. and all that stuff. Mm. I wonder how to what extent people will get used to the virtual reality environment to the point where our brain and our you know, we are not as stimulated by them as we, and and then we lose some of the, I don't know, cognitive benefit. There's another thing mentioned on that Medium article as well, another challenge to mm-hmm. this. Um, it says, does immersion through virtual reality provide a significant cultural experience or is it the equivalent of a perverted exploration of international cuisines at Epcot? What's Epcot? Oh, Epcot is like, you know, like at Disneyland, there's a bit that's like... oh. <laughs> um, with all the different not it's a small world the bit yeah. that's in the big golf ball is it like going to las vegas and going oh it's the eiffel tower maybe but yeah. i think it's a bit more on the nose than that uh-huh right uh-huh. but i think the the point the point they're trying to make there is that it's it's going to be a, a well it's a virtual experience of the language and therefore a virtual experience of the culture so you perhaps miss out on that aspect but of course we, we it sounds like we're kind of poo-pooing this but it could be a great addition to you know if you're using other things as well to learn a language to then have this aspect yeah yeah and especially if, if for younger learners into. and i was yeah. thinking about you know places where you don't have classroom environments even set up yet where mm. people may, you, you know, where there might be people wanting to learn English or something like that. You can imagine somebody donating sort of a, a, a truckload of these to um, schools in, on, you know, developing countries or underprivileged areas where it might mm. alleviate something of oh, the feel, teaching work. I, I don't know. I feel like such a skeptic, but then I think about that and I feel like, would it not be more beneficial to donate something that doesn't need a charger uh, yeah you know that I mean? isn't going to get gonna stolen cost, that's going to cost them down the line to charge it themselves which you know if, if you're kind of being the i'm i'm the white man hero coming to save your poor country with virtual reality headsets uh, i don't know yeah it makes me feel a bit icky the virtual reality I had the most problem with, but also, I mean, I, I had a strong reaction to this blog article anyway, because it sort of said, in the past, language learning was books, and books are boring. And I was like, yeah. um, okay, thanks. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, here is something that got me a lot more excited, and I think really does, to to me, at this stage where it is now, it does add all that interest and fun that you mentioned before, like to, you know, a standard lesson or your learning experience. I think it's such a great, like, um, added bow, string to the bow, not bow to the string, 
um, mm. of language learners, which is making language relevant and stuff. And we just mentioned it before, which is augmented reality. And augmented reality is not the same as virtual reality. So that is things like pointing your phone camera at something in the real world and your phone, the tech uh, interface reacting to what you see in the real world and augmenting that somehow. So, for example, um, if you're using the flash sticks that are post-its for learning vocab, you can hold the camera over a flash stick and then it pops up a tutor who actually pronounces the word. Or with the Memrise app, you can point your camera at something like a pen and it'll say, this is a toothbrush. Here's toothbrush in Norwegian. <laughs> and then the next step along from that is wearable tech. So you may be wearing an augmented reality um, pair of glasses, like Google Glass, that was sort of a thing for a while, and now nobody really... It, it didn't really take off, but Google is, is very visionary in that sense. Um, so what do you make of all those? I thought that was quite an exciting environment or exciting future vision. I feel like this is much more accessible mm -hmm. because a lot of the time it, it, it already involves a smartphone that many of us already have. And of course, that doesn't mean everyone has a smartphone and there they are there is still potentially quite a high sort of point of entry on that. Um, but I think it becomes more accessible. I mean, I'm, I'm flashing around my little Memrise app now. It says I'm holding it up to my laptop. Mm -hmm. I turn it down to the keyboard. It says D-Tastatur. Ah, yeah. Das ist korrekt, ja. Ja, stimmt. Uh. Und ich habe die, it says das Buch for the, the text that I've got on the screen. Mm -hmm. So it thinks the text on the screen is a book. But, you know, it's not, oh, the laptop. It somehow picked up on half of the image. So it's, it's not too bad. It's quite fun. That's right, know? yeah. Because there's that element of reality there still. I think that with the virtual reality, what I don't like is that yeah, I don't it, know. It takes away all of the real world. Was augmented yeah. reality? You're still in reality somewhat. Like, imagine if there was like a Pokemon Go. Do you remember Pokemon Go? <laughs> remember. Imagine if there was a Pokemon Go for language learning. <gasps> you, you go. had to go around. You had to go around and collect words. Oh man! Oh That'd man! Be amazing. So cool. And you'd remember because you'd think, oh, yeah, I picked up hello at the supermarket in the in the meat aisle or whatever, right? <laughs> That's where hello came from. Where did yeah. your hello come from? You'd remember. <gasps> it's that visual connection to the real world. Oh, my God. Yes, that is fantastic. That is such a great idea. And, you know, it, it also brings something in that we, we haven't even mentioned yet. And I kind of forgot about the future because that feels so much like the present, but it brings in gamification, which we have seen again yeah. and again and again motivate and engage language learners. And that is a much better use of modern technologies for language learning than uh -huh. creating something like the Google Pixel Buds that does it all for you. You know, having something that can motivate people that's really cool and really exciting and in your hand and in your pocket mm -hmm. is, a, is really... I, I'm excited to see where augmented reality goes with language learning. Virtual reality, eh, not so much. Yeah, yeah. So the one thing I saw about wearables, you know, when it comes to the idea of the, the glasses and you sort of, I don't know, you mm. blink at something. One thing I was thinking about is what is that going to do to how memory works? Because I guess for years and years and years, we, memory has been, um, I'm not a neuro expert, really. Um, the way I understand it is basically... No, the way we understand, you know, like as as speakers of other languages, how it works in our head is that we've got all of these words deposited somewhere and then we take them out and we put them in a sentence and we use them. Whereas 
it's been shown, mm. like there's been um, studies that with the accessibility of the world's knowledge on your phone, in your pocket now, people people's memories are not declining but new, people build new neural pathways which are for where do I look this up so it, it's become much more about where do I find this information instead of having them provided to us by a gadget which makes me wonder do you think anybody would ever like I think you'd have to if you're learning a language you'd have to make sure say with a wearable especially a wearable probably like that you I don't know you look at a lamp you blink twice and then it shows you what it is in in Polish I think you'd have to ensure that your learning routine contains a lot of periods where you do not do that because otherwise you're just going to walk around blinking it's funny you say about memory because the thing when I think about glasses is about your your eyesight Mm -hmm. like how would that affect your eyesight having these kind of presumably digital projection saying this is a lamp in front of your eyes and then you walk into it how would that affect our eyesight no no not just walking into it but long term Mm -hmm. you know because they say oh you you sit at a computer screen all day in your office your eyes are going to be affected by that if you've got that right in front of your eyes how's that going to affect your eyes as well health concerns Kirsten yeah and that brings me to my my crazy paranoid self right which is I'm sort of worried that that I'm well, I, I I wrote down in my notes, I'm worried that I'm about three years away from someone implanting a chip into my head and going like, okay, this is your Polish vocab chip. And in a, on the one hand, that's the dream, never, never memorize again. But then on the other hand, how scary is that? Like I got a Fitbit for Christmas and this Fitbit thing uh, buzzes in the morning when it wants me to wake up. So I said, well, I you know, I tell it to, of course, I go like, okay, so uh, 6.50 in the morning, you buzz so that I get out of bed. And um, 650, you impressed us quite early. Uh, this thing, I don't know, there's a part of me that goes, I am wearing an electronic device on my on my sleeve. Mm. Whatever next? Like, is this thing, like, did one day, if if the government so decided, it could hack into everybody's phone and then just electroshock everybody? <sighs> Have you been watching Black Mirror? <laughs> no, because I find it too scary. You know, it would be amazing, a, a language learning black mirror. <gasps> With those gadget things. Yeah. <laughs> With a vocab chip in your brain. <laughs> oh my God. Or you could have driverless cars where you kind of get into the car and you have to give it, you have to tell it where you want to go in a foreign language. Oh. And it takes you to language you school if it, you do it wrong. And you, you get it wrong and then, yeah, and it takes you to somewhere else, I don't know. <laughs> So it's certainly fun speculating about the future, but there is sort of futuristic stuff happening. Definitely augmented reality in my mind is, and I think we're both saying is, it sounds a lot more attractive than virtual reality. And then Mm. artificial intelligence is sort of just, I found that a little bit under the radar. It's a little bit less sensational um, and it's Mm. already here with us, right? So we did, have you seen the new Glossica? I haven't seen it Mm. in, in action yet, no. Well, the old Glossica was essentially, we give you a lot of recordings and then you just have to listen to these. And then we say, you do this on day one, you do this on day two, you do this on day three. But the best thing you could do to make it relevant to your level was sort of to go, okay, I'm going to skip the first, I don't know, hour of this recording. And I'm just going to go straight to, you know, it was, it was kind of like there's what, what Mondley said about books learning. yeah there's a lot of and you don't really necessarily know and you sort of have to 
determine whereas what it does now now it's all web-based although yeah. there are downloadable versions now so you can use them online as well um glossica now adapts to what you say and it goes all right so you know that sentence now and um i think they're even experimenting with you recorded and the computer checks how close you're recording is to what it's actually hearing which is another artificial intelligence thing but at the moment it's mostly like it adapts to how many times you do the lessons and all you do is you say to it okay i want to do this many sentences a day and it says do you know do you find this bit hard do you find this bit hard like how about this sentence is this hard for you and it responds to your feedback it responds to you saying that was hard that was easy and then it adapts the lesson so you don't have to you know like you in the the theoretical benefit of that is that you're learning at your level or at the level where it's just challenging you a little bit so it still responds mm. on you making the decision that was hard that was easy because it can't tell that but it's a lot more advanced because it actually changes so every learner will have their own custom version of glossica but it doesn't take a person to make it for them the computer makes it for them that's interesting and i feel like that's also useful Whereas a lot of the other things, it's like, it's fun, right? You don't need vocab go. <laughs> you don't need to be able to point your phone and it to say things. It's just fun. It's a fun addition to make it accessible and enjoyable. But this AI stuff maybe is a bit more It's like purposeful. utility. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. Anki, right? Nobody, in theory, nobody's Anki. If you've got the same deck and you've got a thousand Anki users, mm. everybody's mm. session will look a bit different, right? Yeah. Definitely. Mm, so that's AI. And I assume that's already here with us. So I don't really know what the future of artificial intelligence will look like, except for that's just going to get better. And then it's going to hear how you speak. Yeah. And, and, and maybe like, respond. You start by saying, my name is Lindsay. I'm 28 years old. I'm from the UK. And it thinks, okay, so you're 28, you're female, you're from this country. So you probably have these cultural references to connect to. You probably, you know, and maybe it brings in information from that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also think about how much data that would pull in. Think about mm. even now Duolingo, how much data they have for millions and millions of people learning languages. And it's going to tell them so much about how people learn and in theory like how quickly people go for breeze through these classes and what people you know like the, the most common ways people misspell something etc so there, there is a lot of data and i think you need computers to crunch through all that at at mm. a at a speed that that is realistic for somebody who's developing products and if things down the AI route were to go like what I just said where it gets more personal information from you about who you are the danger is that they then sell that information yes you know yeah so you'd have to be certain about that before you began and you got involved with it I guess well Lindsay so <laughs> you know we've, we've mostly from the talked pessimistic point of view on that we've front. mostly talked about tech so far and I think that's interesting as well because I think it's easier to be skeptical and pessimistic perhaps about tech when you think about mm. it in isolation when you actually see a good use of it like you know like how we think memorize augmented reality is a is a cool use you know we can see what what the point is of that um, it makes it a little bit easier to put it into context. Now, we're running a little bit long for our show, so there's a few more um, discussions that perhaps we're saving for another day. And I want to just leave you or leave us with this sort of last question. 
And I wonder what you think about this. Because this is, okay, this is literally an advert, I think, for Babbel. Their advertising is everywhere. Um, they must have a budget like nothing. But yeah, I saw an advert for Babbel. And it said, learn a language in three weeks. Or like, this app makes it possible to learn a language in three weeks. Now, we know today, I think, I haven't done Babbel, but I've done it enough to know uh, that's not going to happen. We know, I think, that today, learning a language in three weeks learning a language in three weeks is kind of bobbins it's a big promise yeah it's a big promise and we don't really think you know like you can learn enough to get by etc you'd have to qualify that a lot do you think in the future it will ever be possible to learn a language the whole thing or enough of the thing or whatever in three weeks oh i'm gonna say yes because we're probably going to die before that is possible. So <laughs> proven right, it doesn't matter because we'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say yes. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, that is really, really interesting. Learning a language. And I mean... But I don't... But, but here's where it's going to be different. I don't think it will involve learning a language. I think it will be obtain a language. So like mm. you said about the Polish chip in mm. your brain. Yeah. I think that's what it will be. Here's where it then gets interesting. Again, like with the sort of ethics and the accessibility, like we mentioned with virtual reality, how much do those chips cost? Do the rich and, 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 and the wealthy only then have access to those very expensive chips? So you have people that are millionaires and billionaires that can afford to buy all the language chips in the world and have them in their brain so they instantly can speak perfectly and then everyone else can't. I don't know. That's the oh Black Mirror God. episode for language learning. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write it. I'm going to email Charlie Brooker. Done. Awesome. Cannot wait for that. And and it really sort of, <laughs> we've, we've glimpsed a little bit into the future. And if, if you listeners have ideas or you've got a better understanding of virtual and augmented reality than we do, it could, could be possible, I guess. Um, but, you know, like, please write in, send, send us an email or find us on Twitter. Lindsay is LD Languages and I am Fluent Language. And we've got a few extra discussions that we didn't have time for today. So I'm going to put those in the show notes and we may well pick them up on a later date. Now, I just want to give a shout out to our new sponsor and our new sponsor is called Speechling. So please do check them out in the show notes and like pay them a visit. Let them know that you heard about them here. Speechling is... Also a little bit combining human and technology. So it's a, I think it's a great sponsor for this episode today. And with all that being said, is goodbye from Lindsay Williams. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to leave us a rating in iTunes and also to subscribe. And please get in touch and tell us what you thought of the episode and our topics. On Twitter, we are at LD Languages and at Fluent Language, so we're easy to find. Or you can send me an email to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk.